0: Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube show podcast, a college football podcast. Usually comes to you on Sunday, uh, with President's Day being today. Just kicked it out of daylight, had some stuff I needed to knock out with the family. Uh, took my son down to the Auburn, Kentucky game there at Neville Arena. Didn't love the outcome. We had a blast, though. Uh, He had a basketball game Saturday morning. So it just kind of a lot of family stuff got in the way. Figured wasn't doing the radio show Monday. We'd bump it back to today and give it to you here. So as you know, each and every week brought to you by our friends at Wickle's Pickles. Wickedly delicious. Pick them up in your grocery store. If your grocery store doesn't have them. Go to wickles.com. You can get them there and tell your grocery store, hey, man, you need to have these because we want to snack on them. We love them and they're fantastic and you're going to want them. Uh, lots to get to today. We've got some college football news and notes around the SEC. And I want to get to our tiers for college football teams heading into the playoffs. What teams do I think are essential locks to get in? What teams do I think are going to get in in advance? but maybe don't feel great about them actually winning it? And what other teams do I feel good about getting in, but then maybe not actually winning games once they get there? It's a whole new era of college football. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be weird just kind of how we view things down the stretch. It's going to be weird how we have to view different teams in different ways that have won maybe less games than they have in the past, but they're going to be in the postseason. Teams that have lost two, three games to quality opponents on the road, close games. How do we view those teams now? We're going to, have to retrain our brains in a lot of ways once we get to November and start having real discussions about teams getting into this playoff. It's going to be fun, though. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm excited about the possibility of having different teams in, about different matchups, which could lead to upsets. Home field advantage could be massive in that first round, especially for games up north where it's going to be really cold. That could change the dynamic. Are uh, you going to be able to switch into that type of a football team? I can remember I've done a lot of mat games, you know, some action during the weeks over the years, and talking to a few of those coaches, Jason Candle, Toledo coach, told me one time, He's like, listen, he said, it's fun to air it out, and it's fun to have these teams that can throw the football 40, 45 times a game and put up 500 yards a game. He said, when well, you play in this league and you get to late October, you better have some semblance of a rushing attack, and you better be able to slow the run down because you're going to have to do that. You're going to be playing in you know, 20, 30-mile-an-hour wind. It's going to be sub-freezing temperatures. There's going to be snow, ice, sleet, different things like that. And so are there going to be teams that have to go play in those conditions that aren't built for it? And that greatly affects them. All those things are going to be awesome to watch, fun to watch. So I'm excited about it. And I appreciate Wickles Pickles bringing you each and every show, title sponsor here of the show, each and every week. And as you know, we're Team Roback also. Just want to go ahead and throw that in there and let you guys know you've seen us wearing the gear each and every week. So I at least wanted to throw a shout out there. Appreciate Will and the guys taking care of us. All right. um, Some big coaching news I want to get to quickly. Um, Start with South Carolina. All right, uh, mentioned last week, Justin Stepp going to Illinois. Um, You lose your tight end coach to Murray State to be the head coach there. Now your new tight end coach is going to be um, Sean Elliott, head coach at Georgia State. Um, There are some folks that didn't like my take on this, and there really wasn't a take. Uh, When I saw Matt Zinnitz report it, I essentially quoted it and said, Georgia State spring game, March the 7th which was less than a month away. They were two spring practices into spring practice. They were set to have their third spring practice the day this news came down. Um, And I kind of know how it came down. I have a pretty good idea of what went down inside the facility and how it worked with the coaches. I'm not going to hate on a guy for doing what's best for him, and I understand that. But as I have stated to you guys before in college football, our biggest problem in college football is that we refuse to meet in the middle. And we refuse to have discussions on both sides of things. Uh, One of my best lessons that my mom taught me growing up was always do the due diligence of trying to look at things from somebody else's perspective. You may be as passionate as humanly possible about one side of things, but let's at least look at the other side. So I'll look at the other side of it and have the understanding that Sean Elliott's family lives there in the Columbia area and he wants to go be around them more. That's great. That's fine. The position opened up late. We've made multiple references in the last couple of weeks about how screwed up the calendar is and how this coaching cycle is later than I've ever seen it. I've never seen this many guys go into the NFL, and now we're seeing a little bit more trickle down where some of the NFL guys are coming into college because there are no more NFL jobs and they want to be paid and they want to keep coaching to try to get back to the NFL. But also this calendar is this coaching cycle is running as late as I have ever seen it Uh, and still don't know exactly what Georgia state's going to do. I'll say this, some of the rumors floating around about the strength coach being the interim head coach folks in that facility are saying that didn't come from here. And they haven't heard that been told that guys on staff have told me that. So I don't know where that thing's going to go. I'm not mad at Sean Elliott for doing this. You You do what's best for you and your family and for him you know, he's been gutted by the portal the last couple of years. They've done a great job getting players in, developing them, being competitive. But the portal has absolutely gutted them. Um, they got a receiver going to Auburn who I think is going to really help in the slot. They got a, a running back going to Missouri we're going to talk about today. That I think it's really going to help Missouri. Uh, and those haven't been the only two. It's been multiple kids the last couple of years. And so it's tough to win games that way. You're sub 500. You're probably on the hot seat going into the season. This is a way for you to sort of save yourself and hit a little bit of the reset button. I get that. I understand that. But let's also not just completely look past the fact that you have a football team that was in the middle of spring practice that has now been had to been delayed and your spring game has been postponed. When does that all happen? There's a waiver that's going to have to come down for the NCAA for them to widen the window of when they can get all their practices in. I get it. I understand it. I think they'll get that waiver. And I think you try to hold as much of that staff together as possible and you find your best option on that staff to be able to keep things moving ahead Uh, because they have some good coaches on that staff. Here's the other part of that that's tough. When you see some head coaches leave for other positions, most of their guys are most likely going to go with them or a couple of them are going to stay. When you leave as a head coach as a G5 team and you go be the South Carolina tight ends coach, ain't nobody going with you. You're not taking an associate tight end coach or an assistant tight end coach. That doesn't happen. So it also puts the staff in a pretty tough spot. So not mad at anyone, but at least do a little bit of the due diligence to understand it's a pretty messed up situation that Georgia State is now in. Now, he's probably making similar more money. I think he was scheduled to make about 811 at Georgia State this year. And he's been there before. He's been the interim head coach at South Carolina. We know the family portion of it. I just mentioned that. So I get all of that. I understand it. But let's also just not completely look past the fact that Georgia State's in a pretty tough spot now. And the timing of this was poor. Now, the timing of this was what it was. And it's the only time that could have maybe taken place. So you take advantage of that. I get it. But either way, man, that's a tough spot for Georgia State. I've never seen anything like what we've seen in this coaching cycle with Chip Kelly leaving. To go to another conference opponent to be their offensive coordinator? Just some of these things have been completely insane, man. Um, Daryl Dickey, Scott Cochran out at Georgia. I don't think there's a massive impact there. Um, I do think that there were some good things that Scott Cochran can do inside the facility and with a football team. Doesn't have some of those responsibilities anymore. So we'll see where he ends up. And Daryl Dickey, just a, he's a really good offensive mind to be able to bounce things off of. But obviously, he's not calling plays. You wouldn't call plays at AM. so you kind of understand. Uh, Jerry Mack, Tennessee running back coach, going to move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So another one going to the NFL. Tennessee going to look to fill a little bit of a vacancy there. Kentucky offensive coordinator is going to be Bush Hamden from Boise. Um, I, I've met him once, talked to him. Uh, I think he's a good dude. I think he's a great guy. And you look at the tree that he comes from, that sort of – the Harson Peterson tree in that sort of mold of the offense. Um, he's been around Drinkwitz a little bit. So I think that's where he'll begin to spread some things out, but he's going to be more of that pro style downhill stretch play. So it's not too far away from what it's been. Does he use as many formations as Cohen did, as much motion as Cohen did? Maybe not, but I think it's in the same family. Like it's a, it's a limb off of the same trunk, so to speak of what he's going to do. So it's not going to look totally different. And I do think when you go look where he's been, what he's done, who he's worked with, he's got a good offensive mind. And a lot of it's just going to de- depend on the pieces and how they come together. Is that offensive line going to come together? Uh, I think running back's going to be fine. You know you'd have talented wide receivers. And what's Vandergrift going to be? A quarterback. So, But a good get as far as staying in line with what Stoops has always wanted his offense to be and looking similar to what it has been before. It's still going to be a change from technique, fundamental alignment, you know, personality, and then probably some of the verbiage has to change. It's one of the things Cohen did tell us. You know, different from what they had done at Georgia, different from what Saban had done at Alabama. Liam did bring his stuff back, his terminology. So where do they go with that? I'm uncertain, but it could be something that's a little bit confusing and difficult to deal with again. uh, Alabama is going to hire a couple of guys. Nick Sheridan looks like he's going to be the offensive coordinator. That's not officially announced, but when Matt Zinnitz puts it out there, as I've told you guys before, I trust it. and Most likely it's going to happen. I'm fine with this. Scott Huff and Ryan Grubb would have been great. I think the trio of those has been fantastic, been phenomenal. I love the fact that Grubb is a former offensive line coach. He and Huff can work together on different things. I've had the conversation with both of them about how they bounce different techniques and fundamentals, how to block things, different steps to take, You know what angles to utilize. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot to bring to the table that can help take you to the next level. Uh, But I've also told you guys, Kalen DeBoer could call this thing himself if he wanted to. He is that kind of an offensive mind, and I have no doubt that if he needed to, he could and would. But Nick Sheridan's been waiting in line. They worked together at Indiana. He called it Indiana. It's not going to look totally different, and DeBoer's going to have his fingerprints on it. So I I don't think this is bad by any stretch of the imagination. Do I view it as having the same ceiling as DeBoer, Huff, and Grubb? No, I don't. But that doesn't mean it's bad. Would I be as excited about it as say Kirby Moore coming from Missouri? Probably not, uh, but I think Kirby Moore is really freaking good. So this is one that maybe a couple of small question marks lie around when you look also too that now Georgia Southern offensive coordinator Brian Ellis is going to come in and be your tight ends coach. Well. I like this because now you bring in a guy that has been around an offense with air raid principles, doesn't run it like traditional air raid, but your down the field passing game can now offer a little bit more variety. If you need to add some different things such as tempo, things like that, he brings a little bit of that background. So I love DeBoer adding a couple of different things, different flavors to ultimately what his ice cream will be when he's trying to serve it up. Um, Now, Baylor offensive line coach, Chris Kapilovich is going to come in and be Kalen DeBoer's offensive line coach. You guys won't hear me say this often, but I'm also not going to bullshit you guys. Um, I don't know a ton about him, and I'm sorry for that. Um, I will do due diligence as we continue on. I've talked to six or seven guys already. Uh, Nobody has a real good feel, a real good grasp. He's bounced around a lot lately, which makes me a little bit nervous, but... If Kalen DeBoer has confidence in him to be able to manage and handle what he's got, then you feel like he's going to be able to handle that. I mean, he's been to Michigan State. He's been in Colorado. He's been at Baylor. So obviously people in high profile positions are confident in his capabilities. And once again, it it's, it hurts Baylor a lot. Like this is another late move that's not great for that program. I had a really good offensive line coach that's now going to Arkansas. And then you bring him in and now he's going to be gone to Alabama. So The cycle continues to be painful for certain programs, but it's just where we are. So I don't know a ton about it. And if I can get an update on it next week, I'll fill you guys in there. I'm going to continue to be on the phones talking to people. But this is not one that I'm going to vehemently put my stamp of approval on because I honestly don't have a great feel for it. And I don't really know. Um, I know what they have brought in from the portal is going to help with Parker Brailsford. I know when you look at having, you know, Jaden Roberts and Tyler Booker back, that's going to be great, but that's just one that I don't have a great feel for. So what are we moving into today? We're going to talk tears into the college football playoff. Some of you guys are going to be mad at this. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, get upset, get angry, be mad. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, But I want you to try to understand all of this where I'm going. And it's not that I'm saying that I think your team is bad if they're not in Tier 1 or terrible if they're not in Tier 2. This is just my current expectations of sort of where we're going with this into this playoff. And the the higher tiers are going to be pretty small. So just get ready for that one. All right, college football playoff tiers. Heading into a whole new era of college football. Tier 1, it's not big for me. Georgia, Ohio State and Texas. Georgia easy. Carson Beck comes back. I think we sort of obsess about Ladd McConkie and Brock Bowers leaving. Um, I'd be more concerned about Cedric Van Pran leaving because I don't know if you have an immediate fill-in for that one. Amarius Mims gone hurts. It's not going to be one that I think helps, but we also continue to look past the fact that Ra-Ra Thomas, Dylan Bell, Dominic Lovett, um, Trevor Atien coming in from Florida. Folks, the weapons are going to be plentiful for Mike Bobo. Um, You do have four or five offensive linemen who have played. How they mix them up and where Coach Searles ends up playing everybody, I think, is still a little bit up for grabs. Spring ball has something to do with that. But I have confidence that there's enough experience back there that that group's not going to be a liability. They'll be strong. Are they going to be as good a tight end? No. you go get the kid from Stanford to come in and add a little bit more. He's going to help. You already had two good ones there. Oscar Delp's going to be sort of the lead there, and he's athletic enough to still be a move piece that can do different things for you and be a bit of a mismatch. But he's not taking jet sweeps or direct snaps like Brock Bowers did. Let's not mistake that. So I think offensively, they're going to be strong, and they have experience in places that you would want it outside of center. Defensively, is it what it was four or five years ago? No, I don't think it is. However... You were young at linebacker a year ago, and now most of that's back. Would you like to have Dumas Johnson? Sure. But now he's off to Kentucky. He's going to play there, and he was dinged up. But you got Smile Munden back, and he played a lot of good football last year. Um, you've also got a couple of guys back on the back end like Malachi Starks, even though you have massive losses, who I think are still going to be able to help you. Warren Brinson really began began to come on inside last year. Nazir Stackhouse needs to get more consistent, but can be a guy. He has shown flashes of being that guy. Uh, Raylan Wilson was the one at linebacker that everyone was talking about last year. Now, he'll have an extra year under his belt, and maybe he can be a guy. I love what Damian Wilson does on the outside. I don't know exactly where he's going to fit, but he's a guy that just headhunts when he gets in there and brings a ton of physicality. Chaz Chambliss is going to be back on the outside off the edge. Michael Williams is a guy that we've been waiting to come on and I think can be that guy. You lose one of your maybe higher ceiling edge guys to Florida State, Marvin Jones Jr., but I think collectively with some of the youth that played last year, the weapons they're going to have offensively, I don't know if they'll have to be as aggressive defensively, and if they can get a younger guy or two in that front seven to step up, I think they're going to be just fine. Georgia Tier 1, Ohio State Tier 1. Now, a lot of this has got to fit together. I get it. Chip Kelly comes in. He's going to want to do some new things. Will Howard comes in. Not the same kind of guy, but I do think he gives you more upside than what you had a year ago. Uh, wide receiver, we don't really need to spend a ton of time talking about it. I think we all know that that group is going to be fine at Ohio State. Enter Seth McLaughlin at center. Uh, that helps the offensive line if he gets the snaps under control. But I think he's a guy that brings a little bit more than what they've had the last two, three years. Also, you bring in Quinn Sean Judkins with Trayvon Henderson to give you a one-two punch. And I know people feel like that's splitting carries. Go watch Chip Kelly, a lot of two-back, which if I had Quinchon Judkins and Travion Henderson in the back for the, the same time, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right there. My big concern here is the offensive line. I just don't know if it's going to be one that they can lean on and be a group that's dominant. Here's your good news. Chip Kelly offers up things that can offset what that group has to do to be great. A lot of reads, a lot of getting people in the wrong places at the wrong times. He can force you to miss a line with overload formations and uh, and off-balance formations. He also is a guy that utilizes a lot of replays to suck different guys down, and he uses a lot of motions and a lot of those replays to steal people's eyes to get them out of position. Chip Kelly steals yards as good as anyone. Now, if Ryan Day can help implement some of the downfield stuff with his elite passing game he's had the last couple of years, this could be the best offense in college football. Now, I know a lot of that has to work together and fit together and piece together, and you've got to find chemistry continuity, and that's not all there right now. I understand that. And also notice something in this conversation is I'm not going to talk a lot about schedules because I'm just talking about the teams right now. These are not chances of where they have to go and who they have to go up against. We can do that later. This is just the tiers of the teams as I see them right now and what I feel like they're capable of. And then on defense, obviously, this is the defense that's gotten much more aggressive. Some of that physicality has started to come back. Do I like what you lost in the middle? No, I don't. I'm actually pretty concerned about that uh, because I thought that an interior defensive lineman last year that's going to be gone and Michael Hall was one of the better players that you have. Also really concerned about Cade Stover leaving. He was a guy that did a lot of the dirty work and was essentially an extra offensive lineman. Hell, he might have been their most physical football player that they had on that team last year. Him being gone, I don't like. But you got JT back on the edge. You've got Jack Sawyer back on the edge. You lose a couple of veteran linebackers. Yes, I get it. I understand. Tommy Eichenberg's going to be gone. Steel Chambers going to be gone. And they were solid. But I love the fact that Laronitis is going on the field to coach the linebackers now. And you may be able to bring in a few that physically have some more upside. And if you can continue to find a way to get a pressure with four, that's going to offset all of that. So I think the defense takes a step this year. The offense, yes, it's got to come together, but the capabilities are endless with what that group has and what they potentially could be. I do have small concerns about the offensive line, but like I said, I think Chip can find ways to operate around that. Last team tier one for me is going to be Texas. Texas has their entire offensive linebacker and then some. They have extra players that have played like Cole Hudson and aren't necessarily plugged in to be starters right now. They did a masterful job in the portal of getting the exact type guys that they lost. So you look at Jatavian Sanders is going to be gone. You go get Amari Black from Alabama. Those are very similar players with skill sets that not a lot of tight ends have in college football. If you lose Xavier Worthy, you go get an Isaiah Bond. Do they run exactly the same? No, but they're guys that can hurt you down the field and help with the deep ball. Uh, you actually bring Baron Sorrell back at edge, but you go get Trey Moore from UTSA who gives you a little extra twitch. And if there's one thing that defense didn't have last year, I thought it was twitch off the edge. He'll add some of that. Am I nervous about the fact that you're losing sweat inside and Murphy inside? 100%. There are not two more of those guys out there. It's the same thing when Georgia would lose those kind of guys. You ain't plugging in two more of those type guys. You're just not. But you don't necessarily have to build the defense around the interior all the time. Um, Losing Jalen Ford is going to hurt, but you're going to have a veteran secondary. Fair. They weren't great last year. I get it. But you bring in some guys that have played and you bring them back. And I think you might have a better opportunity to generate more pass rush up front, even though you might not be asked out against the run with an offense that's going to be able to play ball control when they need to. You're going to be fine at running back with what you have returning. We know quarterback's going to be back, and you have quarterback depth with Arch Manning there, which is going to be key. Depth, something we're going to talk a lot about that I think is going to be massive. But at the end of the day, I think when we talk about depth, if you're losing your front-line guys, similar to kind of what happened a little bit to Georgia last year and Florida State, it's not going to matter once you get in the playoffs anyway. Just because you have a decent player who can fill in, He might be able to get you by for a week or two, but is that going to be enough to go win a national championship in this new setting? We don't really know. So Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, tier one. These are teams that I expect to be in, teams that I expect to advance, and teams I would expect to most likely go win it. That's how I qualify tier one. Let's go to tier two. Tier two, I'm going to go teams that I expect to make it in advance, but I have some real questions about them necessarily winning it. So, I'll go Oregon number one. A lot of folks thought Oregon should be tier one. It's fine. I get it. I understand it. A little bit worried about the interior of the defense. You lost two big daddy defensive tackles, and I'm not sure you have two more like them coming back. That's a concern. But Jordan Birch was good for you on the edge last year. Can they convince him to slide down at times and maybe be a little bit more versatile? Maybe. Don't really know exactly how that's going to play out just yet. Yes, you lost a big-time receiver, your leading receiver, in Troy Franklin, who had 81 for 13, 83, 14 touchdowns. In comes Evan Stewart, who fills that void. I think Dylan Gabriel is a fantastic college quarterback. I think he has his flaws, similar to what Bo Nix went when he went to Oregon, but Bo Nix was able to erase a lot of those and have an amazing cap to his college career when he was in Eugene. Can Gabriel do the same? Feels likely. Um, you know, I think the offensive line is gonna be fine. You plugged in your all American freshman, all American center last year. He's gonna be able to help. Uh, your tackles are back, so I'm pretty confident there. They're just, you know, listen, Bucky Irving's gonna be gone, but I'm not overly concerned about that loss. You lose a couple of guys on the back end, but you got a couple transfers and Kobe Savage and Jabbar Muhammad coming in, who I think can help there. Dan Lanning is why you should have confidence. It's not a player gone, it's not a player coming in. Dan Lanning is building this thing the right way, and that's why I have them knocking on the door of Tier 1. Again, Tier 2, expect him to be in, expect him to advance. Minor questions about can they actually go win it. Depth would be one of those question marks. Style of play, still a little bit of a question mark there. I think Dan wants to get it to where Mario was trying to get it and where he thought he could get it to be a team that physically competes week in, week out with some of these other Tier 1 teams that we just mentioned. But explosive capability defensively, want to be able to see them get to the quarterback without having to pressure often, and then how's the inside, the middle of that defense going to hold up? Because that's going to be more important with the teams that you're going to face on a regular basis this season as opposed to last season. But there's a lot to love about this Oregon football team. Next in Tier 2 is going to be Alabama. Talent-wise, you could argue Alabama should be Tier 1. Totally fair. I get it but I have real question marks at wide receiver. And yes, you can say, okay, there's a lot coming back, like Law, Hale, Prentice have all played. Any of those guys, a takeover guy, don't really know. Running back's going to be fine. Uh, Jan Miller, Justice Haynes, I think both are very capable. Both could be really good. The offensive line, we mentioned it a little bit earlier with Robertson, and Booker back, solid. Pritchett probably at one tackle. We'll see about the other. You bring in Parker Brailsford, who's a little bit light right now. Um, I do think David Blue and those guys can can help him get to where he needs to be. I am bummed that Amy Bragg's not there as a nutritionist anymore because I think she could definitely get him where he needs to be. However, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue and he's a hell of a college football center. So the middle is solidified for that offensive line. That's good news with a lot of the quick passing game that Jalen Miller will now have because you don't want to get the pocket dented to take some of those away. But the perimeter passing game is where Washington lived last year. Therefore. Jalen Milrow has to become more efficient and more accurate on a more consistent basis because the quick throws, the quick game to the outside is where Michael Penix made people pay. And if he can't consistently do that, this offense may struggle and may slow down just a little bit. When I say struggle, I don't mean they're not going to be able to move the ball. They're just not going to be close to what they were a season ago. If Milrow's ready for that, they may have the opportunity to do that. Keep in mind. Washington was also one of four teams in college football last year that had two 1,000-yard receivers. They had freaking dudes on the outside. Does Alabama have dudes? I don't know yet. Maybe they're a little bit more run-heavy early on. Maybe the implementation of quarterback runs is something that they're going to look to go with with Nick Sheridan. Now, the fact that they know they have a guy that's more capable, that physically can handle a little bit more, and that will offset some of it. So there are just concerns in different places that don't give you that really good confidence of this thing's going to hum right out of the gate. Also, all the change with the staff and some of the turnover that's going to hurt depth through the portal is another minor concern. Again, I expect Alabama to be in. We're talking about advancing and then winning the college football playoff, and that lack of confidence is why you go to tier two. Defensively, I think Tim Keenum's about to have a big year. He had a great year last year. I think he can be big time for you inside, Uh, waiting for Tim Smith and a couple of others to come along. Your edge guys, two of your best edge defenders, probably the best bookend Saban's ever had, they're gone. Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Can Quinteros Robinson be one of those guys? Keanu Cott be one of those guys. Maybe. Haven't seen them have to do it on a regular basis. Off the ball linebacker, going to be fine. Deontay Lawson's a takeover guy. Jihad Campbell is solid. Malachi Moore is going to be one of the most valuable players in the SEC this year because he can play it all. He can play every position on the back end, including corner if he has to. He can line up over the slot. He can play deep safety if he needs to. Whatever he needs to do, he can do it, and that's going to help Kane Womack a ton. But you lose a lot of other pieces in that secondary, and if the pass rush is not the same with new players on that back end, Trey Amos helped you out a lot last year. Jalen Key helped you out a lot last year. Caleb Downs is gone. It's a concern. Just to be honest with you, it's a concern. So because there are those concerns, Alabama goes to Tier 2 along with Ole Miss. Now, some of these concerns are going to be a little bit different because the front-end stuff you're confident about. Jackson Dart back, okay? You're confident about that. Okay, Quince Judkins is gone. I'm not really worried about it because I know Ulysses Bentley has real juice, and he can be a home run threat. Logan Diggs comes in from LSU, and now he can be your hammer. I love Logan Diggs. And I even Mike Denbrock admitted to me last year that we probably didn't use him the way we needed to or enough last year because he could be that hammer. So now you have a one-two punch in the backfield, less two back than maybe what you'll see at Ohio State, but have the capability to do it. And Billy's a guy who can motion out. You'll get guys like Dayton Wade and others they've had in the past, uh, Elijah Moore, that'll be in the backfield and then motion out. You use it to throw the football there. But you got Trey Harris. If Juice Wealth is healthy, I thought he was the best receiver coming back in the SEC last year. Jordan Watkins was big for him last year, and Williams was the freshman that a lot of people thought could bust out last year that they told me has elite ball skills and can be a big-time player. The receiver core is the best in college football right now. When healthy, no questions asked. Seriously, it ain't close. Nobody else is close to what they have at wide receiver. If healthy and all are competing. Then you throw in Caden Priestcorn, there's a guy who can help you as well. And you guys have heard how valuable I think he is with how he can be a grinder at the line of scrimmage and then the catch and run stuff. Not super dynamic after that, but he's able to do it. The two big gets for Ole Miss, potentially and probably, Nate Caleppo from Washington, he's a really good football player. He will help them day one. He's a big time get. Diego Pounds is a maybe. I'll say probably. Because physically, he is what you want your tackles to look like. What Ole Miss doesn't have a ton of. Now, does he have his technical flaws? Does he get out over his toes a little bit? Does he stop on play sometimes? His feet quit on him a little bit, and he plays with his eyes and his hands too much. So if some of those technical things can be worked out, he can help that group, but they've added depth to the offensive line. So now you have guys who can compete, and maybe they can get back to running some inside zone that they just basically couldn't do because Lane told me last year they didn't have enough bump. So defensively, on the other side, you've addressed other needs. Chris Paul Jr. was great at Arkansas. Now you have him at off-the-ball linebacker. Um, you go get Walter Nolan, who I think can help you inside. And as long as he's ready to be somebody whose motor runs a little bit more often, he could be big time. Um, also, I think you go get Princely Lee Malayan from Florida. They haven't had this kind of twitch off the edge in a while. And you went and got Isaac Yuku from James Madison, who was a good player for you last year. But he was more of a high-motor, high-energy guy. Dip and rip, flexible, twitch, speed. He gives you a different type pass rusher that they have not had in quite some time. So that wraps up Tier 2. Once again, teams that I expect to make it, advance, can win it, but I have questions about will they or could they go win it. Now let's go to Tier 3. Tier 3, expect to make it, but have questions about them advancing, and a lot would have to do with the matchup, who's healthy, different things like that. Notre Dame is going to be in. I personally don't think the Riley Leonard fit is that great. But I think they went out and got a couple of receivers. They're going to help make them more dynamic there. Now, tight end, don't really know if it's going to be what it's been. Offensive tackle, massive concern. Joe Alt, Blake Fisher were great last year. They've been recruiting at a higher level than they had in the past. And I think you have to feel pretty good about what the defense has been under Marcus because you know that's going to be solidified and taken care of. Mike Denbrock comes back in as the OC who was unbelievable at LSU last year. And look at what Jaden Daniels did running the football. Maybe there's a way for him to implement a lot of that for Riley Leonard, even in a little bit more of a north-south way. A lot of Daniels' runs weren't by design, but some were, and now Den Brock can bring that in and help carry that over. And I'll tell you this, Chris Mitchell, the wide receiver from FIU, he's a dude. He can play 50-50 balls down the field, one-on-one. Like He is a real guy. So they upgrade there. I'm just a little bit concerned about some of the other pieces of how good they're going to be collectively and are they going to be ready to compete once they get into the playoff. But I think this is a team that is most likely in, and if a couple of the other ifs are answered, potentially could advance a game or two. Missouri is my next tier three team. Worried about the defense. I don't know another way around that. You know, When you lose Rake Straw, Abrams Drain, Tyrone Hopper, uh, Darius Robinson, and then your D coordinator Blake Baker is out, I'm worried about that. I am not worried about the offense, though. And there are two really good linemen that are going to be gone. Javon Foster has played a ton of good football in a Missouri uniform. He's not going to be back. Does that hurt? Yes, it definitely hurts. I don't love that part of it. Um, Xavier Delgado has gone. He played good football there. But you probably got the best right tackle in the league coming back. And I think that offensive line brings enough back and they have an understanding of what they do and they do it in a different way that they're going to be able to be beneficial there. Cody Schrader gone. Massive loss. But I'm telling you right now, this kid Marcus Carroll from Georgia State can go. Mass, I mean, tr- like Saquon Barkley-type quads, giant rear end. Guys bounce off of him. He's run some stretch play there at Georgia State, which gives him an advantage coming in, how this thing operates and works. It's, he's a really good get. He was super productive there. It's going to be big. You got Brett Norfleet back at tight end, who I absolutely love. And, of course, Brady Cook is back with the guy who we've mentioned a couple of times at Offensive Coordinator. Yeah, Kirby Moore going to be back as well. That's huge for Missouri. So I think with what this team could be offensively and doing a pretty good job filling on some of the gaps on defense, uh, some of the guys that they went out and are going to bring in, uh, you get a linebacker from Georgia, you get a corner from Clemson, you get a D lineman from Florida, who I think all are at least going to be able to help. And you've had success bringing transfers in on that side before. So Missouri, a team that I feel like great chance to be in, have real concerns about them advancing. So Missouri going to be right there in Tier 3, along with Penn State. Drew Aller, I think, is fantastic. Big arm, huge arm, big kid in the pocket. But where are most of today's college football offenses going? You've got to have some sort of a dual threat there, at least to be able to move it around and at least show different things are going to force the defense to play you a different way. They just can't do that. They're great at running back. Tyler Warren might be the most underrated tight end in college football. Kick and freaking play. I love him. You lose your best pass rusher. You lose your best offensive lineman. That's a bit of a problem. But you go get AJ Harris from Georgia and Jalen Kimber from Florida, who are going to help a secondary that lost a couple of guys. Three starters gone in the secondary. Those two are going to help a lot. I like the new offensive coordinator. I think you open the new, that new hire, I think, opens things up just a little bit more. The quick game has to improve with Drew Hour because if he's not going to have much of a run threat and you don't force defenses to respect you that way, you've got to utilize some of these other weapons and get the ball out quickly and make people defend you a certain way but I love the defensive coordinator hire as well to go get Tom Allen. And I think that that's a team that has the roster to be in the playoff, but I would have real questions about them advancing and maybe going and winning it because some of the limitations that they have, um, it's hard for me not to put Michigan here, but there's so much change that I don't think I'm going to be able to. Um, I am going to put Tennessee here, by the way. Um, Tennessee a team that I expect to make a real push for the playoff this year that offensive line should be fantastic they're going to fall into tier three for me and I realize we're getting to the point now where all the SEC teams I'm mentioning are probably not going to get in that's fine we're not talking about what the path is and what the schedule is we have time to do that later this Chris Brazell kid that they got from Tulane is a dude. He can play. That wide receiver room is going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Uh, Yeah, you lose your most productive tailback, but I think you have enough coming back. And the Lance Hurd get a tackle from LSU is absolutely massive. Massive. To be able to go get a guy with that frame, that body, and that kind of ability to be able to fill in. Don't be surprised if Campbell bumps over to right to let him play left. That's just the kind of kid John Campbell Jr. is. She you basically got everybody back. You got your center back, Uh, You got Javante Spragans back, who's got to cut down on the penalties, but love the way he plays the game. So I think Tennessee has to be there. Defensively, getting Amaro Thomas back inside. You've got one of your edge guys back who was a problem last year. Uh, You've got a veteran linebacker in the middle. A little concerned about the secondary. Veteran group. Don't think they're elite, but Tim Banks back at coordinator, and I think that group can be enough. The style of play is what worries me a little bit more about Tennessee than anything else. It's just that Because of how you play and some of the situations you put yourself in, I think there's always going to be a game or two that becomes problematic and maybe you get caught. That's just kind of how I view it. Now, it's also going to win you a lot of games. So I think back end of Tier 3 would be Tennessee, almost them knocking on the door. Here's the teams that are Tier 4. Tier 4 teams for me would be, not surprised if they get in, going to have to answer some massive questions to advance. And we don't have to go into all of these. Oklahoma is going to be on that list. You are you got a real dude at quarterback. The defense with Billy Bowman and Stutzman back at linebacker and Bowman back at safety is going to be good. The defense is going to be good. I'm worried about the offensive line. You lost everybody. And I think Bill Biedenboe is one of the best in the business, but you lost them all. Oh, And I, I, don't, I don't know if it's just going to be better that way. And you also lose Drake Stoops, who was a glue guy, leader, alpha, production, all of that. Um, Michigan, it's just so much turnover, man. It's so different. I just don't know exactly what quarterback's going to look like. Yes, I'm confident in running back. The offensive line will be fine. The tight ends will be good. The defense is going to be different. Will it be as aggressive? If you're losing some of those guys up front. I just, there. there's a lot of I don't know about Michigan right now. So I'm going to have them as a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they get in, but I don't have the utmost confidence of just plugging them in right now. LSU, going to be tier four. Wide receiver, you've addressed it in the portal. Don't know if it's going to be close to last year. Can Nussmeyer, and we don't say this often, we don't often want this, I don't think, but I think that's what LSU needs. Can Nussmeyer come down to game manager level a little bit more often? And that's not a bad thing. Like, Can he not be gunslinger, moonball guy all the time? Now, I love the competitiveness, the toughness, the mobility, the moving around in the pocket. Like... All of that stuff is fantastic, but there are going to be times that I need you to manage the game. I need you to know the down and distance. I need you to know game situations. I need you to calm down and be presidential. And if he can find ways to be that more often, he can lead the offense. The O-line is going to be fantastic. Running back? Eh, I don't know. I mean, that's not, a, that's not a, a group that we usually have a ton of questions about. But I do think we saw what that youngster did at Mississippi State last year when he knocked a corner basically to the bench. And I think you'll be fine there, but it's just you have depth that you might need later on. Depth at defensive tackle is going to be a real problem. And can you find a way to get Harold Perkins going? The secondary is still a little bit of a concern. So LSU feels like one of those teams with a ton of upside, but also I wonder about the ability to be able to reach a lot of that upside. Arizona is here at Tier 4. Um, you get Fafita and T-Mac back at quarterback and wide receiver and Polito back at guard. That's enough for me to like you. Uh, and then you get Jacob Manu back at linebacker. Um, and you got a, a lot of your interior defensive linemen back. Now, you lose a couple of your edge guys. That's going to hurt. But that's enough for me to say, I think the core nucleus of that team and their production is going to be there. With all the change, do not be surprised if Arizona's a team knocking on the door of the playoff next year. Utah, obviously, is going to be there with the experience that they have. And I think Clemson's in Tier 4 as well. A lot of people are kind of pushing them to the side. But I think Dabo and Clemson are going to get things back close to being what they have been in the past. Also, I, I think overall, there are a lot more questions in the ACC than there have been the last two years. The teams that are next up that I think probably could surprise some folks, NC State, I don't know how the Grayson McCall thing is going to work, but it's got to be better than last year. Miami, I love a lot of what Miami has added. Oklahoma State, I think they're still going to be right on the door, doorstep, knocking, maybe waiting to get in. Louisville and a lot of that is probably because I think Brom is just that good. I like I, th- I think he's just freaking unbelievable. Uh and then Kansas as well. Quarterback health's going to have a lot to do with that. But that would be the T. I I guess that'd be tier five sort of, of teams that I think could stretch and be knocking on the door to be able to get into the college football playoff. You guys always know also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans, the most comfortable, the most flexible, the most breathable denim that you will ever put on. I love my Blue Delta Jeans. I love my Blue Delta Jeans. I feel like I'm singing a Pete the Cat book to my kids right now. But I do love my Blue Delta Jeans. And you can go to bluedeltajeans.com. You can now get fitted digitally. You can get a gift certificate for your dad in your life for Father's Day coming up. He will never regret it. You won't miss it. You can dress them up, wear them casual. Blue Delta jeans, they are phenomenal. So please go subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. I'm trying to reach 10,000. Almost there. We're technically not almost there. We're like 1,000 away. I'm trying to get there. Help us out. Apple Podcast, Spotify. Click that five-star rating. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tell your friends about it. A couple of you guys in the comments last week, really nice. Thank you so much, talking about um, why don't more people know? Uh, Maybe you should have more subscribers. Go tell people about it. We appreciate that. And I also want to hear from you in the comments what you disagree with, because I know not all of you guys agree with everything that we've said. But my tier one, again, is going to be teams that I definitely think are in, definitely will advance, and should go win this thing. Um, Tier two, in advance, have questions about winning. Tier three, probably in. A lot of things going to happen for them to advance one two games and maybe go play for a title and then some of those tier four teams that i think are have a lot of what it takes to be in this playoff but maybe lack a couple of the things that cause us to bring up some question marks about them realistically being in appreciate you guys tuning in we'll be back next week with more cube show